Welcome to Furfluencers. I'm your host, Anya Alvarez. And I'm Julia McGinnis. And this is the podcast that goes behind the scenes with some of the most loved animal influencers on the internet. And today we're speaking with Joanne, the human companion of Picasso, a pig who has found a love for painting and who is living the dream of every artist with exhibitions in places like Amsterdam and London and creating pieces for collaborations with brands like Swatch. Thanks for joining us, Joanne. My name is Joanne Lefson. I'm founder director of Farm Sanctuary SA and also actually founder director of Oscars Arc, which is a dog adoption platform. Um, but for the sake of this interview, I believe we're focusing on Picasso. Um, so I'll give you a bit of background on that. So uh, cut a long, a long few years short. Um, basically, you know, um, always grew up with animals, love animals very much focused on the welfare of animals and the philosophy behind loving animals and eating them and all that kind of stuff. Um, you probably lost half your audience now. Um, and, um, and so basically, yeah, in 2009, kind of my journey started. I adopted an amazing dog from a local shelter who I called Oscar, one day away from being euthanized. Um, and everybody wanted to know where to get an Oscar. He was such a cute, amazing, interesting looking dog. Um, and I thought this is so weird because not weird, actually very sad. The fact that such an incredible dog that I could have adopted out a thousand times over wouldn't have even had a chance at life, right? If I hadn't gone and adopted him that day. So in order to inspire sort of a, a greater audience to show how wonderful adopted dogs are, we went around the world, went to 43 countries inspiring dog adoption came back, um, came back to South Africa. And then when I lost him in 2013, I decided to, um, to develop a very inspiring dog adoption center in the countryside, just outside of Cape Town. And while I was doing that, I, I had this extra bit of land next door and I didn't quite know what to do with it. But one thing that I'd considered um, was to establish a, a sanctuary for rescued farm animals. And it really came out of the idea of um, actually when Oscar and I would travel around the country to give talks to raise money for animal shelters, it was always so interesting. We'd talk about our journeys and talk about going to China and everyone, everyone would always lift up their hand and say, oh my goodness, how did you go to China? They eat dogs in China. And I'm like, yeah, well, okay. Um, and everybody sitting in the room was pretty much munching on a, on a burger or a cow or something, you know, a different kind of animal, but they didn't see that there was anything wrong with saying that something about eating dogs, but not eating cows, for example. So I thought that was quite an interesting, the disconnect of, of um, what we do, what we eat, and also, and also the cultural conditioning that makes one fine and one not. So it's that whole philosophy. So when I had this land, I thought, all right, I'm going to do a farm sanctuary. We built this barn. It was an incredible barn. I think the builder got all the plans wrong because it was way too big. And I thought it's going to be called Farm Sanctuary SA. Let me go and rescue the first farm animal. And this first farm animal was actually a very small piglet that fit into the back of my mini, although it's never smelt the same <laughs> since I rescued Picasso. And literally went to a local hog farm. Now, there are hog farms everywhere. You just don't see them because they're hidden away. You would never know that, that uh, you, you know, if you drive along a freeway in a typical countryside, you've probably passed a couple of factory farms, but there's nothing to say that you've passed one because nobody wants to, you know, to flag it. So they don't want people to see what's going on inside. So went to a local, uh, local one and in South Africa, it's a little bit more rural in the sense that it's quite easy to get in and to talk to the manager and, to, you know, and to, and to acquire a pig if you have the right discussion, you would never be able to do that in the States. In fact, you could be 
in jail for 10 years, just knocking on the door of a factory farm, believe it or not. Anyway, so I acquired, acquired this little piglet, brought her to farm sanctuary, and then to answer your question, knowing that pigs are very smart, intelligent animals, I, I wanted to keep her entertained. And um, so I threw in some soccer balls, tennis balls, um, golf balls, actually. I studied in Texas on a golf scholarship, so there was a bit of golf. Wait, wait, sorry. I have, to, I have to interrupt you because... I played golf in college and I actually played golf on the LPGA. So you're kidding. We got to play golf sometime. <laughs> wow. No, you would beat me now. Well, you probably would have always beaten me, but which college did you go to? I went to the university of Washington. Oh, wow. Okay. So my first semester was at uh, Longwood college in Virginia. Yeah. yeah. So actually well, Washington is, uh, yeah. So um, yeah, that, that's really interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. No, that's crazy. <laughs> We'll talk golf next time, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and so Picasso, and there were some, also some brushes that had been left behind because the barn was was newly built. And basically, this little piglet, aka Picasso, literally ate and destroyed everything except these brushes. She was very curious. She picked them up. She played with them, um, put them in her mouth. And I thought, wow, this is quite interesting. You know, maybe there is something in this in this backstory. I had a bit of a creative background. Um, and, um, and I, you know, I also started to think, wow, it would be so, if she was wanting to paint, if she was willing and able, and, you know, obviously it was a sanctuary first, so she would have to have the interest herself. Maybe, maybe she could paint, maybe she could inspire a greater audience with unique artworks. And maybe this could also sustain the longevity of the, the sanctuary, right? Because as a nonprofit, you're always looking for funds to do further rescues and everything else. And it didn't take long um, to, um, uh, with some positive reinforcements, putting a canvas in her, her uh, um, stall and really encouraging her to, you know, once, she's, once she was picking up and playing with the brushes to actually walk towards the canvas, um, to actually start, you know, dancing this brush across the canvas. And then of course I added paint and it really didn't take long before she was really basically painting on her own free will um, on the canvas. And, um, it was a bit messy at first, of course. It was a little bit like the Wild West. There was paint everywhere. There was paint on the ceiling. On the on, it was just there was even paint on the rescue chickens. Now that had come into the barn in the, in, the, in those couple of months that we were doing this. And what's a, what's actually amazing because you're in New York is another coincidence here is the very first painting was sold um, by way of we have a loft in the barn and people can come and stay for the night and. There was a couple, two attorneys from New York, which made me nervous already because I'm thinking, boy, that's better be a good trip. Nothing better go wrong. And um, they called me over the next morning because there were a lot of art like canvases all over the place. It was chaos. And they said, hey, we, we would love to acquire one of these paintings. And I was kind of taken aback. I wasn't expecting it. And they said, well, how much is this one? And they pointed to a red painting that was on the floor. And I I actually didn't know what to ask for this painting. I, 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 I looked, I just looked at them without, I didn't even know what to say. And eventually after giving it uh, some thought, I just said, well, look, um, make a donation to the, you know, to the organization, make a don what, what is this painting worth to you? And they made a $500 donation for the artwork. And that was the very first Picasso that was sold was to a couple in New York. And, um, and yeah, well, the rest is kind of history. I am curious when, when you noticed that she wasn't tearing up the, the paintbrushes, what do you think about the paintbrushes captured her attention and made her, I don't know, not want to destroy them? Uh, uh, I think it was a texture. 
I think it was the texture of the brushes and the fact that part of it was sort of there was a hard handle and then the contrasting softness. I also have to say that now that the project's five years into into its uh, maturity, I guess as uh, is, is the word is, there is definitely divine intervention behind this project. Some of the things that Picasso does at the at the most um, perfect of time. And one very quick example is it was a commission for a 69th birthday, for example. And I and it was it was uh, it came in at the last minute and they needed it that day. I ran over to the barn at a time that she never really feels like painting. Had two uh, two uh, canvases left uh, um, in the roll. Put it up and she basically painted a perfect six and a perfect nine. Oh my six god! Six and nine and. Of course, I thank goodness I recorded it. It wasn't a great recording because I had to do it so quickly. I had a few a few minutes to do this, and I just I mean I just looked at this perfect six and nine, and I, I actually I mean I still can't believe it. But this is what this is what happens. So you could say that I'm communicating with the subliminary, but I, I really believe there is something there's something much greater happening, and it and it really gives a lot of purpose um, and even more passion behind the initiative. That's incredible, and. Going back to those early days when she first started painting, you mentioned that pigs are very smart. Do they, was she mimicking movements that she saw you do on the canvas or was she, had she not seen anybody do like a brush stroke on a canvas before and she was completely discovering that for herself? Like I'm, I'm trying to imagine like how the pig is even making the connection between the brushes and the canvas. It's so interesting. Yeah, a very good point. And I suppose if you gave kids a bunch of crayons, they would also kind of move it across a cat, I guess, move it across paper. You don't necessarily have to tell them, okay, now take this and move it. I guess they kind of have an inclination. Um, I never, I never, the great thing about Picasso is I definitely, you could say I definitely taught her to, um, or encouraged her and directed her to be able to pick up a brush, but I could never have taught her to paint. I mean, I don't even know how, I mean, I'm not a professional trainer. I wouldn't even know how to, to actually, uh, um, do that but she um, I think it was a case of what encouraging her to get to the canvas and then as she did a couple of, of, of seconds just rewarding her to keep touching the canvas for longer and longer and that became longer and longer meant stroking the canvas as opposed to just standing there you know um, so um, it's a very good question I've never been asked that before but no I couldn't have I, I wouldn't know. I've never, sh I've never shown her how to paint. And actually, what's interesting is if you look at her early works compared to what she does now. I mean, when she was much smaller and we were just starting out and stuff, it really is just messy. I mean, it's just kind of it just touches a, the paper and the brush falls down, and then of course I have to pick it up for her because it's not so easy for um, even to the day if she drops a brush, I pick it up for her. She can sometimes pick it up herself, but I mean, she's massive. There is a collaboration that goes on um, to this day, and how that works is um, maybe is also sort of answering it in a different kind of way so uh, Picasso is always the one that does all that is the only one that ever touches a canvas she's always the one that's painting uh, on the on the canvas but um, I'm watching what she's doing all the time and if she does something very unique so for example in that six six and the nine example when she did the six I'm able to click and stop her so if I don't do that she'll just carry on and she would have ruined the six right so as soon as she did the six I can I can basically click my fingers and she will stop painting so I can direct it to a point I can also move the pot left and right if I want more color on the right hand side of the canvas so I like to say it's a collaboration between a human and a non-human animal it's a collaboration between um, a woman and a pig it's also it's also a 
almost like a symbol of working together with nature and what can be achieved when you work together and what you know dreams and 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 and, and great things can happen when you don't work in uh, um in opposition to each other so that's kind of like another philosophical aspect of collaborating together but picasso is definitely the artist i can't i can't make her paint anything and there's often times where if she wants to carry on she'll carry on and and mess up a painting but actually she doesn't doesn't really mess up a painting because it's always an original picasso and there's always someone that likes a busier more crazy paintings basically we are we are 50 50 and um and you know and and when i walk into the barn and stuff she's very keen to paint she wants to get out she knows that i'm a part of the process and i know she's a part and there's a lot of mutual respect between us this is just it's so incredible to me on so many levels um we have a bunch of questions. I'm going to go back to something you said, though, you know, for our, our audience listening who hasn't, for those who haven't seen a Picasso painting, you know, just to paint the picture for you a little bit, you know, there are these, some of them have these very broad brush strokes, layers of color, layer of texture, and others are incredibly delicate. They remind me almost of like a Japanese watercolor, very faint, delicate brush strokes. And what my assumption was that Picasso's painting over time would have gotten more layered, more complex as she got more comfortable applying paint and applying the brush strokes. But it almost sounds like it's you've had less activity on the canvas as she's gotten more controlled and more deliberate about what she's doing. Is that is that correct? Or am I like reading too no, much yeah, into yeah. this? So, yeah, yeah. So uh, more deliberate and more correct is also we've we've grown through this process together so it's also i've also mean i've also become a little bit more deliberate and and um set on on how we're painting so a, a a more complex painting doesn't mean it's a better painting so for example if she does a um I'm trying to think of an example um if she does a um a simple black line drawing that looks like for example harry potter's hat i think it's called the saucer's hat she did it the other day it was a perfect saucer's hat it sold within minutes of going online um that is a that is a masterpiece that took a few seconds and be, and because it looks like something it's not how many colors it is it's not how complex the painting is the simplest line can be that that a human eye can relate to makes it a very valuable painting okay and a very special painting and um and and other times it's just nice to have a blast of, of tons of color and it takes it takes a long time to do that because the paints have to dry um and people like different things and again you know it's not one actually isn't necessarily better than the other it's just extraordinary when sometimes the simplest line looks like something there was a painting that sold about two months ago I actually I wish I hadn't sold it called Peter Rabbit and it's the, a perfect running rabbit and if you look at it you won't believe it you won't believe it I mean I but you know she paints it sideways and it's only and I and I stop her because I can see there's a dot so I, whenever they whenever she does a dot I'm looking for an eye and it was so as you turn it around to a, to a portrait um, from landscape to portrait it the bunny just staring right at you and it's like wow there it is it's peter rabbit and you could i i asked a five-year-old and i asked a 50-year-old and both were like it's a rabbit it's a rabbit and that makes it a very valuable painting so that beats that painting beats beats any painting that could take months to you know 100 100 colors on top of each other would not be a better painting i are can i get a commission 
piece. I love my dog so much and I'd love Picasso to paint a, <laughs> something for my dog. Don't Ruby. Push it, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed a, another owner of a pig, uh, Penny the Fire Pig. And she's a, she is a mascot at a, at a firehouse here in New York City. And she actually wow. paints as well, but she paints with her snout. And so they okay. give her non-toxic paint. And so she likes to dip, they, they discovered as well, kind of randomly that that was something that she liked to do. So I feel like there's a collaboration on the horizon that we should, yeah, try, to, that we should try to coordinate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as just when you discovered this talent and she started painting, what, how did people start finding out more about her work? What, when did her presence really start to take off in the art community? Yeah, so, well, the first painting sold and then um, and then we had a, quite a few visitors come in because we're a sanctuary, we're open to the public to, for you know, to for the public to come and make a positive, uh, awakened connection with, a, with farm animals, because at this stage now I had quite a few rescued farm animals. And, um, and it just, word just got around and eventually the, the British press contacted me and they wanted to, some photographs and a more backstory to Picasso. And, you know, I don't know, the, the British press basically is kind of like the center of the universe uh, when it comes to sort of how stories kind of get out. And they ran a story and then the, the, a lot of the, the global media picked up on that. And then that gave it a really nice sort of uh, 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 grounding to start to really kick the project off from, a, from, a, um, from getting a little bit of awareness around what we were doing. And then it kind of all flowed from there. She did an exhibition in the waterfront. It was the first time in history that a non-human animal had done a exhibition, um, uh, a public, her very own exhibition. And that created some more awareness. And then literally Nissan, uh, uh, Nissan commissioned Picasso to design the, the 50th anniversary racetrack for their adverts. And that was a very nice uh, pun for Picasso. And then Swatch called us from Switzerland and said, we designed the 2019 Swatch. And it was like, maybe <laughs> no. it was like, you know Picasso has this very sort of like whatever I don't give I don't she has no ego at all I love her to bits you know we all sit around having this this ego kick and she's just like whatever um and um and that was a great success in fact Picasso is still Swatch's um best-selling limited edition artist in their history which is really amazing I mean I'm um, sorry that is that is so that's awesome. I mean, a pig designed a Swatch collection, and that's the best. That's totally cool. I mean, that's really, really oh, cool. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it, it is, it is, yeah. And sometimes I have to just sort of put it in perspective myself and go like, this is, you know, because we 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 were in it. I'm so in it with her, you know. We were paint or whatever. People want to come and see it, see her paint. And I don't do public demonstrations, by the way, because otherwise it would be entertainment and a circus, and there's a very serious mission. But sometimes I try and step back and go. Well, you know, if somebody had said you're going to get this this pig, she's going to be about 600 kilos, which is over a thousand pounds, by the way, um, and she's almost going to be my height. She's she's massive. Picasso is a massive pig, and um, and she's going to do the swatch watch, and she's going to sell millions of bucks worth of artworks. I would probably go get out of here. I've got more chance of winning the U.S. Open, right? On the like, you know, beating Michelle Wee if she's still playing, and, and <laughs> whatever. But um, actually, probably more chance of beating Tiger Woods, actually. Um, and and I mean, here we are, you know. And um, I think the cool thing, the the real um, the real rags to riches story here is here's a pig 
um, one of, um, I mean, out of the hundreds of millions of pigs on the planet, you know, what, a hundred get rescued? Probably the first rescued pig in South Africa gets rescued, would have been a bacon sandwich um, without any empathy or consideration for the person that was consuming her. And instead she gets rescued at one month of age, avoids the slaughterhouse and, you know, and and uh, ends up at this, the sanctuary and does, the, does these amazing things. It's just, it's really, it's really, a it's not just a miracle. It's just, it's a testament to how smart she is, how creative she is. And also, and also, um, you know, I'm very grateful for it and very, very proud of her for, for um, carrying this this mission, this 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 me this message of empathy and compassion on her on her shoulders, right? Because the only time people ever hear about farm animals is basically an advertisement for for a new pork chop or a new, you know, um, um, burger or something like this and stuff. And here here this random this random you know rescued pig in down middle of South Africa is really inspiring masses to really make a new different connection. Are you finding that the people that discover her work and, and I guess the work that you're doing are from, I guess, the with the mindset already of um, animal rescue or are you touching people and reaching people that haven't really thought about what, you know, the how smart pigs are and the value that they add to society and yeah. the relationship to them? Like, who is your typical customer that's finding you? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I actually think it's a mixture. It's a mixture of of both. Actually, we have people that come to the sanctuary. They just come to, because they want to see this painting pig, and then they kind of realize that there's a mission behind it. And at first, maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable, or, or at first they kind of they hadn't thought about it before. So now they just their minds going one plus one. Okay, okay, what is this really about? Because there's a backstory here, right? That that I always try and just bring into the forefront in a subtle way. Um, but you know, I think people who people who buy her artworks, um, it's 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 basically three categories. One is definitely the the that uh, um, wonderful group of people that support the mission that are vegans or vegetarians, and they want to support the sanctuary because the proceeds benefit obviously farm sanctuary. And so they, it's basically making a donation and getting a great piece of artwork. Others think others are investors. I think it's going to be worth a lot more one day, which. It better be, and it will be. And then there's a, the third lot that uh, just love the art, and they think it's great artwork, and they they want to buy it because they like it. I do have, I do have, I do get emails um, on a regular basis, and and definitely visitors that come in that um, haven't made the connection, and they, I mean, I had a boy the other day, amazing, one of many examples, but it was a wonderful moment because this this little kid comes in, big Picasso and stuff and then for fun I said to him at the end of the end of you know just showing him Picasso I said hey what did you have for breakfast and he said oh, I had a bacon I said but hey you had a bit of Picasso you know and he's like what are you he looked at me like what 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 is this auntie talking about and I said he said that's not Picasso bacon's small and thin and you know like little pieces like this and Picasso so you know Picasso's a pig and it occurred to me that he had no idea that bacon came from a living animal and this is actually a common thing in today's society is people have no idea that milk comes from a cow and anything about how dairy cows are raised on, on these factory farms. They have no idea that bacon is, is originates from a pig who had a very seriously miserable and shortened life. And so there's that, that disconnect. And this little kid looked at me and he, and he finally got it. I could see the moment he understood that the bacon was a bit of a casserole. And I don't think he will ever eat. You know, it's one step at a time. And that's so satisfying when those kind of moments happen. You can't change 
the world. You can't change everyone, but just moments like that make everything worthwhile. Well, I think it's interesting too. I mean, farm, you're talking about out of sight, out of mind, as far as particularly farm animals and cats and dogs are more integrated into our day-to-day lives. People are walking the, you know, walking dogs down the street, cats live at home. So you have a chance to build that connection more with those animals than you would with a farm animal. So my assumption is, is that people who finally get the opportunity to pet a pig or connect with a a different type of farm animal that they may have never even actually interacted with face-to-face before does, I'm assuming it can't not change your perception of what those animals are like. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. And I, and I just, it just, it just changes the way you think about it. You know, it may be, maybe there are some people that, that don't think anything much about it or whatever, but I think at the end of the day, I just, one of my philosophical dreams is that people come in there and everybody says that they love animals. And my, my, my dream is not to judge anything because I, I, my goodness, if anyone needs, needs, needs to change on certain things, it's definitely myself. Right. But um, is that, you say you love animals, come and meet the farm animals and, and just, just, just be authentic about it. Don't, I think, I think um, to say you love animals and then to understand that 97.8% of all living animals on the planet are farmed animals of which the vast majority live in factory farms where they are, you know, mutilated and, and crammed together and uh, just live the most horrific life. Um, it would it just doesn't make any sense, right? It, you would never you would never support that kind of cruelty if you love animals. And so it's just a case of like come and meet these farm animals, and if you love animals, just go away and just make kind you know hopefully make kinder choices, or just say you know what I'm going to carry on doing it, which is everybody's right to do. But just you know it would be a good idea not to always say that you love animals because it's just you can't you know it just doesn't it just makes no sense to say you love one thing and then you're supporting the greatest. Uh, welfare disaster on the planet on how these animals are, are treated and raised so that's that's one of the the real philosoph- real dreams of mine is that 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 question is asked and there's some action or non-action but a reality check in that process of coming to the sanctuary and i feel like a lot of what you just said is also articulated so well in this quote that you have from marcel duchamp on your website where you say art making is making the invisible visible. And there's just so many layers to that and what Picasso is doing, not just for her story, for the story of this incredible connection that the two of you have built together, but also for all of those other animals whose stories are not going to be as personalized, but it doesn't mean that they don't exist. All of that is becoming visible to people in Picasso's story. Sure. Yeah, it's a great quote. That that quote I... um... Yeah, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful quote. And the other one, of course, is everyone dreams of changing the world, but no one dreams of changing themselves. And I always say, you know, and again, I'm not playing, I'm not playing judgmental here and stuff. I, as I say, we're all in this together, but the simplest thing, you know, changing the world, the most simplest thing you can do, you, we, we all eat every day. I mean, I do, I have three meals a day and I love it. <laughs> and the simplest thing, you know, you don't have to go to another part of the world to, to save anybody. You don't have to, you don't have to make a donation to a charity that you support. The most important thing is really what you, what your daily actions do and the, and the effect that they have on the things that you care about. So it's such an, it's, it's such an easy change. There's, there's nothing easier than doing something that you changing what you do every single day for the betterment of supporting what you believe in. 
And I think changing your perspective as well is again, you know, I want, there are so many things I want people to take away from this conversation, but you know, as it relates to Picasso's art, the magnitude of impact that this has had, I mean, Picasso's artwork is selling for thousands of dollars. She's had openings in Amsterdam, London. It sounds like you have more planned. She's done these incredible brand collaborations. She's got an NFT line. She's involved in a wine line. I mean, this is, it's unbelievable. (laughs) And people are making decisions along the way to feature her in those galleries, to purchase those paintings, to support these different projects. And I think that's an incredible way of engaging with her and these different issues that she's bringing to light as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it really is a, it's a dream project. It's a dream creative project and I'm very grateful for it. And I'm very grateful for Picasso. And I also, yeah, I'm just, uh, it's, it's really just, it's very rewarding. And I, uh, Picasso drives me crazy. She drives me nuts. She is, she is very stubborn and she's very, she's very herself, but, um, but she really is, um, yeah, she's done. She's just, it's, it's amazing what she's achieved. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, as I say, it's a privilege to, to work with her. And I'm very grateful for have, having the, the opportunity for having done this and, and um, sharing her message with, with, with people. It's, yeah, it's just, it's rock and roll. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've interviewed a few people in the animal influencer space where they've, They've created these accounts for their animals with the intention of making them animal influencers. And there's not really maybe a mission behind these accounts other than just creating fun, happy content about their animals. And then I feel like there's this interesting space of people like you who are using animals to really bring awareness to bigger issues surrounding the way we treat and have relationships with animals around us. Um, I'm curious how you feel about the traditional animal influence world where people are really using their animals to make a profit off of them in, in some cases versus the type of work that you do along with other sanctuaries who use social media to raise money for animal sanctuaries or rescues. Hmm. Um, <laughs> that was, okay, I, I, can't, I can't really judge it. I mean, everybody, I mean, everybody's got to survive and everybody has a different means to, to make it, to make an income. Um, I, I can just say that in my, from, from my experience, there's something, um, I wouldn't be interested in painting with Picasso if it was just to make money. I, I just personally, I've never been motivated just to make money. It's just, it's never been my, it's never been my, my drive. Um, the fact that Picasso makes a lot of money is a huge bonus because it enables us to go and do some exhibitions around the world if we're not invited and enables us to have the means to rescue more farm animals and to hire a, a great staff here and to make sure that the animals have great vet care. And it's the, it's a purpose that really drives my interest. And I really believe, and I, it's just my personal experience, is that if you follow something that you really are passionate about, the 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 income takes care of itself that's that's i think it's something i don't and that's just how it's always been in 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 my projects it was the same with with going around the world with oscar things just happened in the right way in the things just the universe conspired in my favor and i think it was because the 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 passion and intention was there and um so 
I can't comment on doing it the yeah, other thing. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's fine. I, it is funny though. I, um, I, I have a lot of friends who are artists and my uncle was an artist and I feel like um, they probably would be very jealous. Like, how does this pig, get, I'm, I, they're dying to get in galleries. They're dying to get <laughs> exhibitions and this pig is doing it and they're pro- it probably drives some artists. Oh, I love it. I had a I had a Russian guy once actually. I used to want Russian now, but but there was a guy years ago. I remember he he actually was he wasn't even joking. He said, I'm actually sitting in my living room like crying because I have never sold a painting for that amount of money. And it's like, and a pig has beaten me to it. It does bring me to answering that one question about what makes a what make a what makes it this pig's painting valuable. And one of the stories I like to say, I mean, there's many different, there's many different ways to answer that question, but I think my favorite way to do it is to say, you know, there's 8 billion people on the planet. And if you gave them all a paintbrush, you know, um, they would all paint something. The quality of what they paint is subjective and, and you can say it's good or it's bad, but they were all paint. And um, if you gave, let's just say that there's a hundred million pigs on the planet and you gave them all a paintbrush, there's only one of the one pig that's going to pick up that brush and paint. And in a world that's oversaturated with, with the same, 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 you know, Picasso is really an original, you know, um, a real standout. And that's that's what gives it, uh, besides the mission and everything else up, that's what makes Picasso very valuable. Because she's she's one in a, she's one in eight billion. She's one in, she's one, she, she's the only one, you know? Joanne, I, I picked two like kind of favorites from the website two favorite paintings. I was wondering if I could share the names of them with you and if you have any like insight sure. or any you know, additional context. Um, one of them is learning to fly. It's done in this ah. like beautiful ocean blue, it's delicate brush strokes. Oh my you, God, really? You've actually picked the painting that's hanging in my, above my fireplace. That's, that's amazing that you just picked it out. Oh my God, I, I love yeah, it. Man. It's actually, if you, if you look in the distance, uh, if you look, you, just to show that I'm cutting the tooth here. This is so uh, cool. Can you see it in the distance above the? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, amazing kind of on the on know. the the sure. column. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah, it it really you know again for someone who because yeah, this is a podcast, but there's this this move. It's almost like a flying fish. There's a wing. There's an eye. There's parts of a face, and there's just this like beautiful movement in the painting. It's very positive it's hopeful and it jumped out to me instantly and I'm curious is there anything that you can tell us about that yes well first of all it shouldn't be on the web it shouldn't be it shouldn't be for sale because it's in my house it's one of my private collections right so thanks for bringing that to my attention I've considered it sold um but um yeah so again she painted she paints everything landscape so she she would have she painted that painting and there was a dot done at the end so immediately remember I said if there's a dot I kind of just step back I stop her and just have a, another look at it and when I turned it to portrait I, I immediately saw this this uh, figure and of course it was obvious with that loop that there was a wing involved and um, and I've always been the, the painting for me was very innocent first of all I love that blue it's my favorite color and there's something so um, innocent about this this simple simply drawn bird in flight and you know, that coupled with, you know, I grew up on, I, I read Jonathan Livingston's Seagull um, when I was very young as well. And I, it was, um, it was just learning to fly was about learning to, um, was, was the, I just looked at it in this idea of this, this sort of young bird trying to fly is about trying to find your way in the world, 
you know, trying to trying to do something that hasn't been done before. You see, I get a bit emotional. So I know it's I know it's coming from the, from exactly the right place when I was thinking about the painting. And um, um, and it's it's special to me because it's innocent and it's and it's about dreaming. It's about dreaming about something that's bigger. And um, yeah, so that's the story behind that one. Now I like this painting even more and I loved it already when I oh. first saw it. Um, so cool. The other one that jumped out to me as well is um, Picasso Black 75. Okay. And what to me was very unique and, you know, it's on, um, it's on canvas, black brush strokes, some, some bold, some more of a feathery texture, um, simple. And then there's a little flash of red in it. And what stood out to me is the symmetry in that painting I thought was incredible. There are two dots on the top, two almost symmetrical lines that come down. And then this one brush stroke that somehow connects it all together. And it's just, it's amazing to think that 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 happened the way that it did with Picasso because it looks like something that would have taken an artist significant planning just to get <laughs> some of these strokes connected the way that they are. Yeah. So she she does sometimes we just we focus on a black um, on a black Zen painting. So she will whatever stroke she does for that period of, of time that she wants to paint becomes the finished painting. So she'll walk up, she'll take the, uh, we know we're going to do a black because I've chosen the black and I just let her kind of do what she wants. And then when she drops the brush, the painting's done. The, um, and some, some are a bit more balanced than others. Some, when, when one of those paintings looks like a, uh, looks like something specific, like the Harry Potter's hat that I mentioned, it doesn't become a Picasso black. It becomes the name of that, item that it looks like right which doesn't happen that often but thing and then the the stroke of red that you're seeing is actually her signature so every time Picasso finishes an artwork she actually um, signs it with her nose tip okay so once the artwork's done and the paint's dry um, I dip her nose or she dips her nose into um, into a red ink if it's a Picasso black and then she voluntarily walks up to the canvas and touches the painting with her nose and that's what you're seeing that wasn't a brush stroke that's actually her signature and that's why um, you'll see it's signed by that red nose tip because that's her autograph that's her signature right that makes it a complete original Picasso and on the colorful artworks you always see a black smudge on the bottom right and that's the, the black signature we only ever sign in black or, or red and um and that's her that's her signature that we, we kind of that's that's actually the messiest and probably the most craziest part of the whole process because it's, it's there's ink flying all over the place or whatever and it's just and then if she's done something really really special I, I i've got to make sure she doesn't sign it in the middle of the artwork or something or whatever so it gets kind of cra crazy when we do that but it's um but it's kind of nice and we also say that one day when people try and copy an original Picasso, because the great artists are always copied, they're never going to be able to get that signature right. <laughs> they're never going to get that nose they're tip right. They're going to have to buy a, a pig nose at a costume store <laughs> and dip it in paint. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. And then what, what, if somebody videos them actually signing it while, while they're on their forehands and knees and stuff, they're going to lose all reputation for the rest of their life. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. One question, Anya and I were, it's sort of a weird question. You're curious how you respond to it. So much of your communication with Picasso, it's, it's visual, you know, the way that you interact with each other, 
body language, the way that you paint with each other, um, facial expressions, all of that. But if there was ever a day where you could say one thing to Picasso, you know, out loud, speak to her and say one thing to her and she would understand it completely, what would you want to tell her? Um, I wouldn't say I'm, <laughs> I would just say, um, amazing. Um, you're amazing. It's so, it's so, such a cliche to say that and stuff. I just say, wow, you know, some pig, something like this. I just say, we'll just, okay. You, I, you know what? You need to give me that question before that, that question you're supposed to ask me. I need some briefing here. Okay. Cause that's quite a profound question and I need to have a really solid answer and I've just blown it. Okay. I would Those say are the best answers. It, the it ones that aren't solid. Like it would be, it would be something if I had, if I think about it in the final scene of babe, when farmer Hoggett looks down at babe, babe's just, just done this whole, uh, has won this, uh, the, um, has now acted like a sheepdog and, and taken all the sheep into the, into the one section, the finale of the first babe movie and farmer Hoggett standing there. And he's very emotional because he, he almost can't believe that this pig's done this and the crowd's standing, a standing evasion for his pig. And he just looks down with this very, I say I get emotional about it too and stuff, looks down at this, this, this innocent little being, you know, that's just happy to be alive. And he just says, that'll do pig, that'll do. And that's what I would probably say to her. Wow. I mean, you can just tell the way that you talk about her and, you know, people can't see you because this will be a podcast, but we're on video right now. And just, you can feel and see the love that you have for her. And um, it, I'm sure that she feels your love, obviously, and, and that she, I think she probably knows that you think she's amazing <laughs> and that, and that it'll do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I, I, um, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm just glad that she's in the sanctuary that she has, you know, I don't know how long she's going to live for. She, she's now, she turned six in May. Um, she may live to, you know, she's very, she's genetically modified. So she's, she's very big. She has very small legs. She's, she's, she, I don't, we don't know how long she's going to live for. I also don't know how long she's going to paint for. She might look at me tomorrow morning and go, I heard you on that podcast. Okay. And I'm done. I don't feel like painting anymore or whatever. So, you know, it's every day I take every day carpe diem, you know, every, every moment counts with her and stuff. I, I appreciate that every morning that we're painting together, that, that we have it because it's very unique what we're doing. You know, it's, it's always been a message before mission, um, you know, um, message before masterpiece, message before money. Um, and I'm just, you know, she gets the best care. She gets the best food. She, she really um, has, a, has a great life. And, um, and that's not to be too sentimental about it. That's where, I, that's where I get the passion to keep doing what I'm doing with Picasso is, is um, the lives that we can save because of the selling of the artworks and the, and the, and the little, little difference that we can make here in the middle of nowhere in Cape Town, South Africa, which is probably most of your viewers don't even know where, like, well, like where I'm even coming from down here. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just, um, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just, um, it's just wonderful the way it's all worked out. Well, we, we appreciate your time. We do have um, a few questions left, but they're rapid fire. They're just quick. They should be quick and they're supposed to be fun questions. Okay. Um, and Favorite so food? I'm going to, I'm going to try to bang them out for you. <laughs> okay. 
if if Picasso could do a collab with one artist who is no longer with us, who would it be? Ooh. I was going to say Banksy, if it was someone that was with us, because um, he's such a rebel and Picasso's a rebel, right? Um, it definitely wouldn't be Michelangelo. That's a bit boring. I would say Jackson Pollock. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Jackson Pollock is a wild abstract expressionist. And it's a lot of, a lot of, um, with all the drops of paint, there's a lot of similarity and people often compare, compare her to him actually. So whew, that was an easy one. <laughs> uh, uh, favorite color that Picasso likes to paint with? Uh, blue, but that's because that's my favorite color. Pigs see colors differently, so uh, they very they they see half the spectrum that we do. So I don't even know if she can see blue, to be honest. But um, blue is my favorite color, and there's there's it always looks great on a canvas. Favorite celebrity Picasso has met? Ed, Ed Sheeran is about to get a painting um, in London. <laughs> And but I will say on a center on a on a mission perspective, my our favorite is definitely Dr. Jane Goodall. Um, she um, she has a Picasso, and she's also written the foreword to Picasso's book that's going to come out next year. That's so incredible. I have to give, give her a punch. Yeah, she's she she's a, she's a legend in our eyes, and and one that really has done amazing stuff for for animals and, and awareness. So she's really our celeb around here. Uh, Picasso's favorite snack everything except <laughs> everything except meat dairy and citrus fruits <laughs> and then last one picasso's favorite place to nap uh the space below her <laughs> 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 any space below her um no, no okay anywhere with this hay and that's everywhere in the barn so yeah we're she's got a lot of beds a lot of yeah beds. yes a lot of options <laughs> nice nice joanne this was amazing thank you so much like we know you've got a ton going on picasso is probably waking up from her most recent nap <laughs> wondering no. where you're at but this is this has been such like an incredible discussion for us and thank you for for making the time no, it's a pleasure. And I, I mean, thanks. I always say that every time that I, I have a chance to, to really share her mission is a, is a real opportunity. You know, if one person just, if one person just kind of hears the message and changes, it's, it's profound, right? So, you know, from our perspective, we really appreciate the, appreciate the opportunity to, to have the discussion and to share it. And um, on a personal note, I love the States. I loved the last week that I had in California. You have no idea how much I loved it. Um, I love the States. I love the Americans. Um, and I've spent a lot of time there. So I kind of feel when I speak, when I, when I have interviews and I, and I speak with, um, with um, the American audience, I feel like I'm at home, you know? Um, so it's, um, it's always fun. Well, hopefully we can meet you someday. I'm already thinking in my head that I want to plan a girl's trip to your sanctuary and, and kind of stay with you and, and at your plate. But your no sanctuary. golf, okay? No golf. Okay, no fine. Golf. I don't no like golf. you. <laughs> no golf. Fair enough. Deal. Oh, guys. Awesome. That was great. Thanks a lot, eh? Yes. Thank you so much. We hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. We'll chat again soon. Right, Sounds great, Joan. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Ciao. Ciao. Wow. Wow. That was incredible. I mean, that I, 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 I can't, 
I don't think I expected a lot of what she said at all. Like you obviously you go into a lot of these interviews with your questions planned out of what you're going to ask and what you think they're going to say. And she totally just surprised me. And um, there's just honestly, like, I, I think, you know, that I have teetered in the world of veganism and vegetarianism. And honestly, this conversation just made me realize like, <laughs> I personally, I, I struggle personally with my relationship to, cause I do love eating meat. Um, but I also have a lot of internal dialogue with myself and not that she shamed me during the interview. I didn't feel like right, she was shaming anyone, but it definitely got me thinking again about my own personal choices around what I consume. Oh, for um, sure. I, I, uh, requested a, that a breakfast sandwich be brought back to, uh, me this morning. And you know, I was thinking about what to get on. And I was like, you know what, we're going to skip the the meaty bits. Let's get that fried hash brown, grilled tomato, little piece of a uh, highly pasteurized American cheese. <laughs> <laughs> she was just amazing. She was just amazing. And if if you guys like this episode, make sure that you like, subscribe, rate us on Spotify and iTunes. Follow us across all our social channels at the Furfluencers. And if you want to help support the creation of this content, you can uh, follow us on Patreon and subscribe there. And lastly, if there are any animals that you want to learn more about that are on the internet that you love to follow that we haven't interviewed yet, DM us on our social channel so we can check them out and we can add them to our list. Awesome, Anya. Well, peace out, everybody. And remember to be extra kind to your furry friends and the other ones around us. <laughs>